Hello, everybody. Welcome to another weekly episode here at the YYC Real Estate Show. Uh, Shiraz here and Sebastian. Today, we're excited to invite a guest, Ryan Gubik from MRG Wealth. Excited to have him talk about um, what he does and how he impacts everyone here and how you can invest your dollar in the financial world. So thanks again for coming on. Excited to get to know you, but you say hello. Yeah, hello, everyone. Thanks, Shiraz. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Of course, we'll we'll go into quickly the weekly update for everyone. This is every Thursday we do this, Ryan. So we give everyone out there a weekly update. What's happened in the real estate market here in town. So again, we've been seeing the very steady numbers. They fluctuate by like 10, 12. So again, here we are at 699 total sales. So we've been hovering around that 700 weekly sale mark. So 699 in the last seven days. Of that, predominantly detached, 300, 232 condos, 111 townhouses. So again, a balanced market, we've talked about it before, a balanced market in town is around 3,500 to 4,000 active listings. That's a balanced market. We are at 2,604 today. So it's still an active seller's market. Low inventory will dictate a seller's market. So a couple highest sales in the last seven days, 2.8 million in Elbow Elbow Park, uh, 2.195 in Parkdale, and the two lowest in the last week were uh, 149,000 in bonus and 155,000 in forest lawn. The interest rates, as we all know, are now above 5%. 5.24 is the five year, three years 5.74, and two years 6.14. And that's for a fixed rate mortgage? These are fixed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, as, as, as we've seen, since there's still a shortage of supply in the real estate market, you know, that has led to a stronger than expected price growth across all property types in the city, right? Which more than offset the declines we experienced in the later half of 2022. Ultimately, resulting in record new prices for homes, right? Right now, the benchmark price is $567,700, right? And it seems every time Kreb releases that, the last, you know, year and a half, it keeps going up. You yeah. know, the benchmark price keeps going up, so we have yet to see a downturn. And we'll, we'll see how the rest of this, this year unfolds. But um, for us, it's exciting. For our sellers, it's exciting. And even those buyers that are waiting for the market to go down, nobody knows what tomorrow brings. We always say, uh, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait, right? If, if you think things are going to drop, it only affects you if you're planning to sell right away in that market. If you're keeping your property five years, 10 years, it should not make a difference to you, right? You're gaining equity every day, so... Another cool thing I want to talk about is front porches in town are making a comeback. Back in the 1950s and 60s, it was really prominent to have a front porch on your property, but builders have gone away from that for a long time, but it's now coming back. A lot of new builds we're seeing are creating that front porch, and it's, it's really inviting. It creates a nice atmosphere. You sit out there, a couple chairs, a drink, a coffee, if it's in the morning or afternoon, and say hi to your neighbors and stuff. So it's really cool. I find it's a nice touch when I show some older properties and they have a nice big front porch. So I'm excited that a lot of builders are doing that in town. So if you're looking for a property and that's important, um, let's make sure that's one of your criteria. Don't miss the last chances of summer as we know we're here in Calgary. So get out there and make sure you float the boat, bike the city, go on a zoo date, uh, picnic in the park, just, you know, Summer is almost over. Everyone's going to be going back to school like my kids. So it's kind of a reminder for me to get out there and make sure I take advantage. Right. So uh, with that being said, that's a little recap. Uh, once again, we'll say hello to Ryan here. And Ryan, please introduce yourself one more time. And I'm excited to hear that you have your own now um, YouTube channel. So talk to us about that as well. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show today. So Ryan Gubik, I'm the personal CFO and founder of MRG Wealth Management. And yeah, we're launching a uh, YouTube channel this fall. So technically it's live right now with you know, one or two videos on it, but really the, the push will be starting this fall. We have a videographer coming in to help us kind of launch the movie trailer and, and uh, expand from there. And the whole premise around the channel and what we wanted to do is share solutions to problems that impact so many Canadian families. They just don't know that solutions exist and they do. Um, so similar to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, it's, it's who you know and the specializations that they've developed over their career and sharing that knowledge. So that's going to be the focus on the YouTube channel. There's going to be one avenue that's going to be the personal CFO videos. That's going to be myself, really kind of short, two, three minute videos, problem, solution, you know, uh, directly to uh, the audience. And then there'll be some longer kind of interview style videos like this. 
um, focused on a variety of industries um, and business owners and professionals across Calgary predominantly, but could be across uh, Canada as well, but outside industries. So non-finance, but other areas that impact a Canadian, an individual, a family, um, could be everything from health, dentistry, real estate, um, you name it. So what are some of the main problems that, you know, that specialist sees people making every day? And let's just tell people what they can do to avoid that or fix it if they have it. And so that's going to be the premise on Awesome. I'm sure you're excited about that. Is this something you thought about for for a while to have a channel or was this something uh, you recently decided to do? So it's been something I've been wanting to do for the last couple of years. Fortunately, it's always been on the to-do list and kind of, you know, running a wealth management firm, there's a lot of um, core responsibilities. And when you triage kind of the to-do list, the, the videos unfortunately fell to uh, back burner. Back burner a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of number one was, you know, focusing on the investment strategies, making sure clients are making money, protected in downturn, financial planning, tax, technology, kind of engagement relationships. Those are all kind of the cornerstones foundation of the firm and uh, needed to focus on continuous improvement on that first. Those are all in really good shape right now. The team's doing a great job on it. So now it's, you got some breathing room to say, okay, let's create this channel and share you know, the work and kind of some of the strategies and some of the learnings we've had over the last, you know, 10, 20 years with a broader audience. Awesome. Yes. How many on your team? Um, so right now I have uh, myself as the personal CFO, main contact, all the clients, mm-hmm. and then I have administrative support. So I'm about four people that work at the back end, doing the trades, do the administrative. Okay. And then the way we structure um, the investment arm is, you know, philosophies around how to invest like pension funds and ultra high net individuals. Mm-hmm. So... Any one investment advisor or person, my belief is they don't have the specializations to do everything. So what I did is I partnered with some of the top players in Canada for specializations of specific types of investments. So for example, many Canadians are invested in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a team that just focuses on, right now, North American dividend paying stocks. That's all they do. I have a separate team that focuses just on fixed income and bonds. Very different specialization, right? Someone right. that's looking at you know, the public stock market is very different than the bond transactions. Mm-hmm. And then I have a completely separate team that focuses on a lot of the private alternative investments. And that really gets into being a, a really interesting investments mix that pension funds and ultra high net worth Canadians have been investing for years. And when I say ultra high net worth Canadians, I mean families with over $20 million, mm-hmm. right? So um, they know a lot of these strategies exist, unfortunately. You know, most Canadians don't walk around twenty million bucks. I don't have twenty million dollars in my pocket right now. Oh, right. What, so, what is that twenty million? Is it just in uh, net worth, net or worth. is it in equity, like like yeah. actual like, net worth? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, depending on who you're talking to, the investment firm, it could also be investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite often, business owners will have it, you know, in private, and mm-hmm. they'll have it spread out. Yeah. Um, but once you get into the twenty, thirty, fifty million dollars, it's usually spread out into a variety of different avenues. Um, so yeah, we, we develop strategies using technology, legal, and kind of the background to bring those type of strategies where families with 20 million, 100 million, you know, the partners we work with have clients that have over 400 million and bring that down to a family or client that owns half a million dollars, right? So make it much more accessible. Um, and we have um, teams that specialize in that area as well. So the combination of myself as a background, um, I'm a designated accountant, I'm a investment manager, I'm an insurance advisor, and I'm a designated financial planner. So I wear a multitude of hats with my clients to kind of bring a holistic view in their financial mix. And then the whole team working together with the specialists I have on the investment side, we're able to bring really high quality investments with a reasonable cost and why clients love it is also the the results back it up um, to families across Canada. That's awesome. And I was really impressed with that too. We met, we met at uh, an office downtown and you know, we exchange cards and then, yeah, I saw like four designations on your card, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, good for you and very impressive. So talk to me a little about um, who you are, I guess, from the beginning. We like to do this with all our guests. Not everyone indulges and feel free to, if you don't want to. But when we say like, who are you? We ask like, you know, um, where did you grow up? Um, your name, Gubich, is is that how you're supposed to pronounce yeah, it? That's... I have a lot of friends that are from... Um, former Yugoslavia, so it broke up into a lot of different countries. But even Anthony here, Miracic, right? He's Croatian. And then, um, so I was just, I saw the last name. So I was just wondering, like, you know, who you are? Have you always been in Calgary? Were you born here? Um, where did you go to school? Um, what brought you into or what made you decide to take this avenue of, uh, of a career path? 
Yeah, great question. And business is so personal. And mm-hmm. I, you know, love the question, and we'll, we'll jump into that. And um, long story short, is wasn't born here. Okay. So I'm a Winnipeg boy, prairie yeah. boy through and through. Got your jets back. Yeah, we got our jets back. <laughs> I remember when I was, you know, a little tight and going to the jets rallies, trying mm-hmm. to keep them way back when. So yeah. it was kind of really uh, cool to see them come back and then flourish so well and the city support them. But yeah, so grew up in Winnipeg. My background, as you mentioned, uh, my father is Croatian. Um, they basically fled. So Croatia nowadays is a beautiful country, tourist hotspot. Yeah. I took my you know, young daughter there a couple of years ago. We were drinking rum on the beach. It was a great time. Yeah. Like well, split, right? Split Croatia is a yeah, hot destination. destination. Like, there's a ton of different areas. Um, when my father and my grandparents fled, this would have been um, early 60s. It wasn't that. Um, very different time. There has a long history of kind of war, mm-hmm. famine, poverty, yeah. um, so forth. So grew up with really humble roots. Um, my dad and my grandparents fled. Middle of the night, ran, chased by soldiers, tried to not step on the flares shooting up in the sky. Soldiers were coming in on them. Uh, my grandma fell in one of the traps of the pits. They had to pull her out. Just made over the wall. The soldiers were right behind them. Crazy. Um, fortunately, some of the other family members they were fleeting with weren't so lucky. Got caught. Um, so they went to, um, you know, the neighboring country um, and then had to start over. So they had nothing, right? They, they ran with... I have shirts on their back. My dad even had a shirt on at that time. Yeah. Um, and then they got sponsored by the church in Canada. So they wanted to come to North America to build a better life. So their main vision, my father, my grandfather's vision was just build a better life for the family. Right? It wasn't going the direction that they wanted in that in the country they were at. Um, and they were going to work and do whatever they had to do to, to make it happen. So they saved enough money. They got jobs and saved enough money to hop on a boat, got sponsored by the church to come into uh, Canada. And again, started with nothing. Like they didn't speak the language. They didn't have transferable skills. They, um, it was tough. They struggled. Um, very fortunate to be here today. It was the first Kubik with a university degree. Um, my parents, you know, loved them to death and provided an amazing childhood. Um, but money was always tight, right? So from my parents' journey, as he grew up, that was a huge transition from, you know, having nothing to, you know, buying a house and getting a job in a, in a world where you, you don't have education. Like my yeah. father um, couldn't finish high school. He had to go get a job to put food on the table, right? Mm-hmm. So very different upbringing than my kids and, and what I experienced. Um, I saw that all kind of going on as a childhood and that shaped me. So why I do what I do and kind of the premise of all this story is um, I've dedicated my life to learning about money. Learning about how to make it, learning about taxes, how to protect it. Um, and the whole reason for that is I wanted to understand how do the wealthier, how other people, how do they keep on making money and make it look so easy? Mm-hmm. And why did, you know, see my family grow up? Why was it so difficult? And um, why are, you know, mistakes here and there? And, you know, instead of having weekends off, my father was always working. or There's always chores to do and tasks and multiple jobs and so forth. So spent my whole career kind of doing that, my whole life. And that's part of the reason for the multiple designations behind my name. It's started at, you know, I got my first job at 12, started a business with my father by the time I was 13, 14, had three jobs by 18, did the university, went off from there, wanted to learn more about money. So you're like, hey, let's be an accountant. That's what I did. Became a designated accountant. And you're like, okay, I'm a good bean counter, but I still have no idea how to make money. Um, did an MBA overseas, learned a bit more about kind of business structure. Where, where overseas? Edinburgh. Yeah, so it was really cool. They had a kind of three-prong approach to their MBA program. You had North American business, Europe, and Asia. And it really compared and contrasts kind of the different cultures in business um, and a variety of other things. So learned a lot. Super cool. Yeah, took a lot away from that. Um, and then it got into uh, diving into the nuts and bolts around investments and, and growing money and said, okay, you know, 2000 financial crisis, a lot of families lost a lot of money in the stock market. 2008 again, or sorry, 2000 was the dot-com, 2008 mm-hmm. was the financial. Um, but then you talk to some families and they're like, you know, made money last year. Things are going good. And you're like, well, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. The ones that are educated and as you know now, the ones that are aware, these those times are when they make the most of their money. Absolutely. Right? They know when to move their chips from this pile to that pile and move them back when they've grown, right? But 
it's, it's unfortunate that money is not a topic of education for us growing up. Never has it been talked about, never were we taught how to manage ourselves, how to invest, you know, you should do this. It was just reading, writing, arithmetic, a lot of science. But um, like you, we have talked about it before on my cast, like um, I'm first generation here as well, born back home in Pakistan. Father, who was a farmer, wanted a better life for his kids and education. So he brought us here. He wasn't able to, you know, he's got a mouse to feed, so he couldn't get educated and pursue something here. So it was left on us. And me, same thing. Grew up humble because of that. So I wanted more. I saw everyone around me from wealthy families. You know, all my friends, they were from wealthy families. And I never was able to do the things that they did all the time. So I wanted to educate myself. So what did I do? I went into accounting, right? And from that, I, I fell into real estate and I've been doing it for 16 years. But it's something I read up on personal, on my own time to educate myself because uh, there isn't classes or am I wrong today? Are there classes to teach people? Is this maybe something um, for your YouTube channel? Like, are you educating for free the masses? Is it a subscription based? You know? Yeah. So a uh, couple of questions you had there. So I'll yeah, try yeah. to tackle them. One is anytime we publish videos or newsletters, it's free. Yeah. It's for the masses. It's, okay. it's, you know, my way of being able to share knowledge with a, a large group of people. Because when you bring on a client, you're working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, it takes a lot of time and attention to that one family. Right. So if you want to share a message with 10,000 people, you know, that's the, the method that we're going to use for there. So, yeah, no fee. It's going to be free. If you're curious about learning something new, that's, that's the goal of that channel. Um, you brought up this whole point about no one talks about money and finance. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. And if there's one thing I could share right now with everybody is talk about money. Mm -hmm. Whether you know something or you don't, just bring it up. Yeah. It's such a taboo topic um, and it impacts all of us. Um, growing up and even now I find people are more comfortable talking about their sex lives yeah. than they do about it's investments true. or money or anything it's else. True. It's like, yeah. no, and it doesn't have to be, um, strangers or friends or whatnot. Like even within a household, like mom and dad quite often don't talk about money with their kids, mm -hmm. uh, brothers and sisters, you know, as adults, they don't talk about money. So it's, how do you share knowledge when no one talks about something? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one big, um, challenge I, you know, want to help people just overcome and it's, there is no silly question. Like ask the question. It's the only way you learn. Yeah. Um, I learn something new every day. It's impossible to know everything about money. Right. Um, that's why I have, you know, the partner group that I have set up. So I, I didn't mention the numbers that like you were asking numbers earlier, but there's about a hundred people um, that all work together to support a client founding. Mm -hmm. And even out of those hundred people, if there's unique specialization that you see involved, we'll bring in other people, right? Cause there's so many facets of money. Um, in terms of learning about money, there are some things you for sure can do. There, there's more um, courses out there, YouTube channels. You got to be careful about who you're listening to mm -hmm. and what type of advice you're right. undertaking, um, like anything. Um, but just start it, right? So learning about a budget, right? It's probably one of the biggest areas where um, a lot of people, doesn't matter what age, it can grab anything. A lot of people don't budget, right? So it's like, well, if you don't have a budget, how do you kind of track where you're going or know where you're going? Right? So things like that, there's courses out there. Now, what we do with our clients and how to structure investments and tax strategies and stuff like that, unfortunately, there's not, to my knowledge, courses and a lot of information about that. Um, it's kind of like these secret you know, strategies that exist in pension fund worlds and ultra high net worth family worlds. You walk into a family office um, and we can talk the same language. You walk in and talk to an advisor or a family um, off the street and quite often no one's ever talked about this mm -hmm. and that's the other point of the youtube channel is to like rip the lid off some of these like i don't want to use the word secrets out there but uncommon knowledge that mm -hmm. you know has existed for decades to solve problems that people are having today right. and just share it with people and it might not be a fit for all families or all people but just knowing that it exists kind of it's an extra air with your quiver mm -hmm. um so yeah does that answer your i think three it questions? does it does and i really like what you mentioned about how, why are we so comfortable to talk about such personal things, but nobody wants to sit and talk about, actually talk about money, right? Because that, that takes me back to when I was, you know, like 20 and, and at SAIT and I wanted um, my, my friends, I had like, you know, two other friends and I said, why don't we put 5,000 each and buy a place together? And I kept saying that for like a year and they didn't even want to talk about it. 
And the next thing you know, it's like the boom happened. And had we done it, we would have had like double our our money in our investment, right? We could have bought a place for like $100,000 at the time, right? An apartment. But I was trying to engage in those conversations, but I was hit by brick walls. And I, and I don't know why it's ingrained in, in a lot of minds um, to just not talk about it, right? I mean, I don't know if it's uh, people don't want their own personal situation, yeah. their own financial situation to be known and to become public. Cause like, I know a lot of friends that have been friends for years, but they don't know what each other's financial situation is. Or like, if I have assets, how much is my net worth? Do you want to invest together? They don't talk about it. Yeah. It's becoming more common now, but you know, now I'm almost 40 and it's like now my, my friends and uh, people that I know and in my network, now they want to talk about these things and invest together. Well, where was this when we were 20, right? Yeah. We could have been so far ahead because it's, you make it there, but if you have the power of numbers with you, if I had a group with me when I was 20, like the group I have with me now and I'm almost 40, it's like you can make a lot of, a lot of changes for everyone's lives, right? So. What I'm curious, it's great that you're having that conversation now with your, uh, your friends and the people mm -hmm. you know, but are you also having the conversation around the mistakes? Yeah. Uh, more, more people are comfortable talking about the investment opportunity. Be like, hey, you could double, potentially double your money wherever the return is in X amount of years. They're like, oh, I want to listen to that. But true vulnerability is sharing, hey, this is what I did last year, last month, last decade, and it blew up in my face. So I talk about it. Right? Like, here's some tips to not do it for you mm -hmm. or your friends. And it, I guess it kind of scares them too because they're like, oh, well, you wanted us to do so many things with you, but... What about those two or three things that you did that didn't make money? What about that business you purchased? What about that restaurant you invested in? What about that acreage you were going to do reno and flip, right? Some things don't work out, but you either try and it works out or it doesn't. There's only two ways um, a risk in, in the financial world will go. It's either going to go great or it's not going to go great. But if you're not going to even try, then... Yeah. Like, what's the value of not trying? Like, you want the mm. bill for not trying? You know, yeah. It's a lot worse than the bill for trying, right? I have, a, I have a question about mindset when it comes to those things. When What's what's the more correct mindset? I should wait till increase increase my income before I invest, or I should invest even though my income isn't very high? Like, is there what, what would be the more correct mindset between that? Because I know that is a very common thing where it's like, I don't have the money to invest, right? Or it's like, or it's like you need capital for sure. Yeah. You can't invest without it. Well, that's a really good point. So if we started mindset, I would say it like, let's take it 10 steps back. Because a lot of people will start at the investment. Like, just like we were talking about here, like, oh, there's different options. What do you want to invest and whatnot? Um, the investment is just a tool. Mm -hmm. In real estate, it'd be like going to architect and being like, okay, what kind of nails are we going to use in this project? And you're like, what do you want to build? Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's very similar with investments. Like, is real estate good? Maybe. Are stocks good? Maybe. Is private credit or debt good? Maybe. Like, what is your vision for your life? What are yeah. you What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, you're starting this marathon, but what does the end look like? Exactly. And that's what we, so from a mindset perspective, that's what I talk about with client families all the time is, let's start with the end in mind. Not the beginning or not the tools. Where are you headed? Like, what does success look like for you? That's what great. Is, yeah. What are your values? Like, what is important to you? And where do you want to go? Um, and then map out that journey, like create a roadmap and say, okay, I need to do this at this point. So regardless of the income level, it doesn't matter if you're in debt, you make no money, you make a lot of money. Everybody can do this, right? It's having that clear vision. You talked about earlier on about having a vision with a palm tree and a beach and mm -hmm. one old property, right? And now you do, right. right? Without that vision, would you have actually gone to own that property? It would have been out of sight, out of mind, right? Exactly. So that vision is, I would say, one of the most important parts of oh, mindset. Okay. So it's that values and vision is the starting point. Um, from then, then it's mapping out a roadmap, like creating an actual financial plan, a roadmap to say, okay, wherever age or income bracket I'm in right now, what do I need to do to get from here where I'm at to where I want to be, right? And sometimes that can be shocking, but at least you know, yeah. right? And you can work towards that. And then the decision is, well, do I have enough money today or tomorrow or whatnot? You can map that out. You're like, okay, a little bit today, a little bit more tomorrow, a little bit more the next year. Um, but you got to start. Like the most important thing is just put that first step forward. Um, another analogy is like working out or losing weight, right? Mm -hmm. Like if someone wants to lose 10, 50 or hundred pounds, whatever that is, or gain muscle or, you know, run further, they don't usually go from like sitting on the couch to being an Olympian, right? Yeah. You got to have that vision of, okay, I want to be in the Olympics or I want to, you know, win this race. And then you start and it could be, you walk, 
Mm. And then you jog and then you lift five pound weights and then you do something else. Mm -hmm. But it's like that journey in finance. It's very similar. So mindset is probably one of the most important things um, of the financial journey. The investments are actually the last. It's the tool. So it's almost like a, like you also are practically a financial coach in some ways because you help people like, hey, you're here. This is our goals here. Like Remind them of the end right, goal, keep, right? Yeah, keep them even, on track. Even when I've done a few like joint ventures, I've had to do that. And I've had yeah. to remind them, like, do you remember what we said when we decided to do this? Like, you know, it, it's an X amount of years journey, right? You're, you're bothering me two months in, three months in. You want in and out. You want your money right away. Like, you have to remind people of what the vision and goal was, right? And I've had people exit early and, and then regret it because they see at the end we did get, you know, sometimes more than what we um, decided to or targeted to get. So, yeah, it is that, you know, like I have to keep my mindset and remind people to kind of have the same vision. But uh, you're not going to get everyone. Mm -hmm. But if you're fortunate enough to surround yourself with like-minded individuals, there's, you know, the sky's the limit. And I'm only finding that out in the last few years of changing my own mindset. I was telling him I kind of brushed that whole manifestation and visualizing things away for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, what do you mean? Also, I'm just going to I'm just going to visualize a million dollars every day and I'm going to have it. But that it was me not really listening to the message. Right. That's not the message. Yeah. The message is to have a clear cut goal and as detailed as possible of a goal. You know, Anthony, who you'll we'll talk to in a bit here, he was big on telling me about that. He's like. You know, I manifested things and I got so detailed where like every single part of that item that I wanted to achieve, I, I wanted every detail of it, what it felt like, what it smelled like, what it was going to be like when I did it. And, and he did it, you know? Yeah. And that's a really good point. You talked about kind of the manifestation and the dollar value and people generally don't have a goal of, I want to have X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's what is that dollar is going to do for you, right? That, that's really, we, we roll back the sheets and everything else, mm -hmm. regardless of what that is. It's, well, I want to be able to retire early because my family has health issues, take care of my kids and grandkids. I love golf. I love whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I need that X budget to be able to do that. You're like, okay, that makes sense. And then you manifest that. Like I retire by the next day. I want to be on a beach. I'm mm -hmm. golf. I want to be my grandkids. I want to be my kids. I want to whatever. Yeah. Um, and that makes such a big difference, just like your property you have, right? Like, yeah. That's so cool. Um, and to, to your question about coaching, yeah, a lot of, so a lot of clients will call me their personal CFO. They actually use that title now as mm -hmm. personal CFO because it's, it's much broader than just an investment advisor or financial advisor. And um, coaching is one aspect, but it's also measuring and tracking the family or the individual and say, okay, you're here today. You want to get here. Well, the path is probably going to be like this, right? Like, mm -hmm. so each year, let's measure track. Where are you at? And what are your options? You know, or you're above track this year, option. Great. You're not on track. Here's your options. And people are always in control, but having that like clarity and control essentially equals confidence. You always make like a mathematical equation for it. You're like, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, you might not always be able to execute on the options that year. Life happens, but just, you know, they exist. And then you're like, okay, if I'm not going to do it this year, then next year I got to do this. Okay, we have a plan. Nice. And do you have um, more like personal stuff? Like, so obviously hockey, you really love, I'm sure hockey. Is there, is there any sport you um, were into or did you play any, any sports growing up? Um, I did martial arts growing up. So kind of passionate about that. Which kind? Uh, I did judo for most of the years. Mm -hmm. um, I did. I dabbled on a, a few others, probably for like six months here and there. Um, did uh, Muay Thai actually? So judo as I was growing up, and then as an adult, did Muay Thai for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Now those are probably the two biggest ones. Um, but many martial arts have you know a lot of similarities in terms of just discipline, mm -hmm. right? So when I was younger and competing in tournaments, don't get me wrong, I love a glass of wine, love a beer. But I wasn't getting drunk at a party on a Friday night when I had to fight on Saturday. Can't. Right? Like part of it was you wanted to win gold. The other part, you realize, like, if I'm not on my game, I'm gonna get my ass kicked. No, <laughs> no get their ass kicked. No. <laughs> but you know, that discipline you get still at a very early age on what you need to do in terms of diet, in terms of workout, and in mindset. My sensei at the time uh, taught me at an early age, he's like, whether you win or lose, it's 90% up here, 
not your body, mm-hmm. right? Like you got to treat your body well and be able to execute the, the fight. But if you don't have this working, probably going to lose. Yeah. There's, and that's the reason I asked that question is because a lot of times that's what it gives you. People think, oh, I'm, I'm doing these organized sports to become a professional athlete. It's like, well, you, you don't even realize the mental coaching you're having and the mindsets you're creating and habits you're creating for yourself, right? Absolutely. You know, that's really what it is. It's like having, teaching yourself about discipline is really what it is, right? And experiencing it. Yeah. Right? It's different from like reading a book or being told it and experience it. Mm. I think that's the other big aspect of it. Yeah. Um, few, and few few parties this guy had and got beat up the next day. He's like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> no, I uh, I used to get beat up as a kid. I was <clears throat> really fat. Um, loved hanging out with adults. Loved having like intellectual conversation. So I was big for my age, and then I was fat for my age. It was just like a recipe to get beat up as a kid. Um, and then that's kind of the jury that started into martial arts. It was like I don't like getting beat up. I don't want to fight, but I want to have the confidence to be like no. Yeah. And it was really interesting. The moment I started, I was never in a fight. Mm. Still, to this day, never no been in a fight. Uh, broke up a lot. Um, cool heads always prevailed. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, part of that discipline and just having confidence in yourself. You're like, okay, if this goes south, I either can run fast or I can take care of the situation. Or they're going to regret this. looking at all the situations. And, and no one wins in a fight. Right? No, of course not. Talk first, kind of run second. Like, yeah. um, But I've been very fortunate. So that was a really good piece. And then uh, nowadays... It's the outdoors. Outdoors in my family. So I got uh, two daughters and a wife. world revolves around them. So between the business and the family, that's uh, kind of my life. We love doing a bunch of things outdoors, whether it be going camping or hiking or swimming. Uh, winter we ski. Um, you know, eventually how, how old are they, the daughters? Eight and six. Eight and six. I'm a six-year-old daughter and a one-year-old boy. Oh, very cool. So it's like, uh, it's, you know, I talk to these guys about it because they don't have wives and kids yet but, yeah we see uh, a lot of photos yeah <laughs> but it's uh you know it's definitely a, it is a big big life changer you know you, you're 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 the back burner now right you do things for them you make sure their needs are met first and uh, it's a, it's liberating it's a great feeling you know i i encourage all of them you know i i recommend it to everyone i talk to right some people are afraid of it scared of it of marriage of kids or responsibilities but it's a beautiful thing any questions uh, you had for him? I'm, I'm, I, um, looked I kind up of wanted to ask about the real estate market. Um, what was like the biggest surprise that you had like in the last couple of years with COVID and real estate investments in general? Because it's so volatile. So many things changed. Was there anything that was really stood out to you? Like, wow, like something clicked within this time? Yeah, I think there's a couple. Um, one, I remember, you know, 2020, COVID's hitting, um, decisions made, hey, let's shut down the world. Um, no one knows really like an early stage, like how bad is this pandemic? Like people are dying. Are we talking about like, we're gonna lose 50% of the world or like, there's a lot of unknowns, right? So there's a lot of fear, media, depending on where you're getting the media, which potentially sharing different messages. Um, so from a financial perspective, you know, we had kind of banned down the hatches and, and taken more of a conservative approach that worked well for our clients. Um, but I was really surprised on how fast it rebounded. Mm. So you're, you know, 2020 in the middle of COVID still and public markets ended up positive for the most part that year, right? So it dropped and then pounded right back out. And 2021 was an exceptionally strong year. So you're still in COVID, you have supply chain issues, you have unknowns, you have, you know, potential job loss, you have inflation kind of increasing and people are spending. Um, so the consumer behavior aspect of it, um, and whether it comes to real estate or investments or just buying vehicles, I think we've seen it over the last couple of years. It's, it's really, really interesting. Um, and it's something to be really cautious of. Uh, it, I think it also ties into a bit of uh, the financial literacy and talking about money. Um, I was at a car dealership a couple of months ago. Cards, you know, in the past, you know, five years ago, issued quite often 0%, mm-hmm. 1%, 2 3%. Yeah. You get your car loan, it's very, very common. Now they're seven, eight, nine percent, and still waiting lists. Yeah, you know, to buy these cars where you you can't even go to the dealership. All these dealerships and like drive home. They're like, well, no, give us a deposit, and we'll get you this car in a year or so. It might not be the color you want. <laughs> yeah, and kind of having that seven, eight, nine percent mm-hmm. loan attached. Well, the economic difference between a vehicle at zero percent 
or a 9% loan over five, six, seven, eight years is massive. All right. And again, like have that conversation be like, okay, the true cost is this, is it still worth it to you? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, drive the older car for an extra year or, or do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that mean to you in your plan? Um, I think having the conversation, if, if people have said, okay, if I, if I'm going to adopt my spending pattern, whatever that is, like, again, money is uh, just a tool to give purpose to people's life. If they love lattes and they love golf and they love new cars and they love uh, whatever they love doing, if they're being intentional about it, awesome. Mm-hmm. Carry on. It's part of it. It's when there's like that unintentional finance component where people, you know, it's so easy nowadays to tap. You walk into Starbucks and you're like, tap, tap, 20 bucks. You walk into, you know, restaurant later, you're like, oh, I'm a beer and cheeseburger. Tap, tap, 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and you add it up all month and it's the unintentional piece where you're like, oh, geez, I just spent X amount of dollars on all these things that, you know, yeah, I enjoyed them, but didn't really add me a ton of value. Like on my map, what I really want is a vacation properly. What I really want is take my kid to Disneyland or what I really want is to have an extra day off a month so I can have some me time. And you're like, how is what I'm doing impacting really what I want? Um, so I think, you know, that's a big piece that, um, we all can just kind of reflect and have that, like, is it an unintentional decision or is it an intentional decision and just be cognizant of it. Which goes into having a budget and knowing what you want to put away if you are looking to save and invest or both. Right. So yeah, budget is a huge thing and it's not something surprising. A lot of people do from what I'm finding, even our clients in real estate. Yeah helping them and finding out um, and helping them throughout their journeys. Yeah, they, people, budget is not even in their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's tap, tap, I'll figure it out later, so. And we live busy lives too, Yeah. right? Like not to put excuses to all of it, but like I get it. Um, many parts of my life too, I didn't have a budget, I just winged it. Mm-hmm. Geez, my 20s as I was going through school, literally I'm an accountant, I'm learning about money. Just tapping away, yeah. <laughs> right? And had debt, and you're learning, and you got a job, and you're like yeah. going on vacation, having a good time, and you look back and you're like, okay, this isn't working, yeah. right? Like each day, each year, I'm like struggling to get through the week, and you're working overtime, and then you're, you know, you're moving money from one credit card to something else, and mm-hmm. then you might get a bonus, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna save a little bit, invest a little bit, but you look back and you look back at the three, four years, and like all the effort, and blood, sweat, and tears you put in, and you're like, what do I have to show for it? Did. Yeah. Not that you need something to show for it. If, again, as long as you're intentional with what you want right. to do, just be mm-hmm. intentional. And for me, it was like, it, it was, I was living an unintentional life. It's kind of the, the awakening that I had. It was like, okay, what I want to do from a family perspective and a time perspective and business perspective, um, you know, what I would do with my 20s, isn't going to get me there. Right. So it's that shift. And then if you're married or a partner, you know, having the conversation with them, that was the other big piece, right? Like, you get married and you have now two people mm-hmm. part of, you know, uh, a family and part of a financial conversation and making, just having that conversation. It's like, what do you want in life? Mm-hmm. You know, and do you know what I want in life? And so many times we don't have that conversation with our partners or girlfriends and boyfriends or others. Be like, you know, what's important to you? What are the, again, what are your values or what are the things that, you know, you really want in life? Um, and having those conversations and then working together to lift each other up. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, go get that promotion or go take that day off or go to the gym or whatever that is that surrounds that person for their values and what they want. Is there any habit that you would recommend someone to keep financial, like, you know, finances at the top of mind? Is there any particular thing that they could do, check bank account every day? Like, what would be your suggestion to help people not put the their finances on the back burner per se, right? I would say align yourself with someone you can trust. Okay. Number one is, is work with, you know, a personal CFO or, you know, a strong financial advisor that specializes in this field. And that can help not only help you kind of from a tactical perspective on the budgeting, investing and tax and everything else, but on the mindset and kind of that journey. Right. So um, the education side, the knowledge sharing. So, you know, it's we were talking about earlier. It's the what specialists do you know in your corner that have already solved challenges that you have? Right? Can leapfrog you 20 years ahead. Yeah. Um, so that would be the, the biggest piece. The other would be talking about it. Just mm-hmm. Talk. Like yeah. friends, family, loved ones, ask questions. Be like, hey, I'm looking to budget. Do you guys have a budget? Do you have any software? Do you have any tools? Do you have any advice? Like, again, learn from people around us. Uh, most people have a network. You know, it could be different sizes and different things, but most people know other people. 
So it's reach out to them and say, hey, I have, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you help me out? Is there any, do you have any experience in this area? And I think you'll be surprised. Like you might not, you know, the first person you ask is like, oh yeah, I don't have the answer to that. But they might know someone else. You're like, oh yeah, my brother, sister, friend actually was just talking about that. Maybe I'll connect you guys and you guys have coffee or have a chat. So, you know, having those conversations. And then the third thing is kind of inside is that values and vision, right? No one can tell you what your values and vision are other than you. Um, it's that reflection time to really just, you know, have a glass of wine or, you know, go read a book or go for a walk and just think like, what is truly important to me, you know? And then, okay, those are, you know, three, four, five things. These are the things that matter most to me in my life. Now, what is my vision for the life I want to live? Like, what do I want in my twenties, thirties, fifties, sixties, seventies, you know, what does success look like? Um, and not in terms of what you drive or where you live or your job, but like when you die, you know, and someone's talking about you, like, what do they, what do you want them to say? Like, mm-hmm. What would you want to accomplish? What do you want to leave behind? Um, kind of those like deeper beginnings. Yeah. How do you mitigate legacy. regret? Yeah. Building a legacy, yeah. leaving something good behind. What I really admire and, you know, the only thing my father ever said was health is number one. And if you go on MRG Wealth, like they have a vision on there and the very first thing you have on there is health, you know? Yeah. So that's, I think, where everything begins. Start taking care of yourself, make a change for yourself, and everything else slowly, that discipline will come into play, right? Absolutely. My father it was similar, like um, health and then principles yeah. were some of the two biggest things that uh, he instilled. And, you know, health, if you're not healthy, you can't help yourself, you can't help anyone else. Yeah. And the other piece was principles. Um, you might not always know the answer to the question or how to solve the problem, but if you stick to your core true principles in life, you'll always figure a way. And you'll be able to sleep well at night and be the kind of man or person that you want to be. Um, and those kind of principles we instill within Energy Wealth, like you said, are, our values are right on the website. Like our top three is, mm-hmm. is health, family, relationships. Yeah. That's, yeah, I loved reading that. You have any questions uh, for us? Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so um, similar to one of the questions you asked me earlier is, was there anything surprising over the last couple of years and kind of going pre-COVID, COVID, and then now post-COVID, you know, if we look at that, you know, short three-year time period from a real estate perspective, things that, um, you know, you saw coming that maybe someone else didn't see coming, things that surprised you or like, I'm shocked that this happened, but this, this is what, how it unfolded. Uh, or Yeah, other. I, so what kind of shocked me is how the world all of a sudden flipped a switch and Everything was very, very safety driven, um, protocols, masks, sanitizing your hands, things like that. But for us, all other job sectors were hit. We, we didn't skip a beat. We all still continued on. We just had to like click on our phones. Like, yes, I don't have any symptoms. We'd go into houses. Whereas everyone was kind of quarantining. And yet here we are in seven, eight houses a day still. So for us, I was kind of like, not a little concerned, but I was kind of just like kind of laughable and shocked. Like everything's so cautious now, but here I am in seven, eight different households. All I have to do is wear a mask and at the front door, there's hand sanitizer. But, you know, so I didn't expect the market to have an uptick like it did. Everyone kind of was, you know, down and out. It's COVID. Who's buying a house? And the market's going to crash. And it did the opposite. So what I slowly started to see was a lot of out of province investing here. The government tried to combat that with banning foreign buyers, but they should have banned out of province buyers if they really wanted to combat having these increases in our markets, especially us here in Calgary. For us, all in the last two years, 70, 80% of my deals were from Ontario buyers, BC buyers, selling a million dollar apartment and buying a big house here. So it's getting harder for them to afford day-to-day life in those big cities. And they're coming here. And plus, we don't have a lot of those extra hoops to jump through. Um, No land transfer tax and all this extra stuff that these other provinces have when it comes to trading and real estate. So I I didn't expect that. I mean, obviously, we enjoy it. But um, that was the biggest thing for me to answer your question. Like, one, you know, all that was going on around COVID and yet we went on day to day 
and the only difference is we had to wear a mask and wash our hands real quick. But all these other businesses were kind of closed and people were at home, working home and quarantining and we're out and about in, you know, seven, eight houses a day, right? Mm-hmm. So that and then no one expected, because we talked about it before, we can't predict tomorrow, but no one expected the market to do what it did and people start buying houses for way more than asking price. So that for a good six to eight months was pretty crazy in town. You put a property up, 500,000, it's gonna sell for six, 610. You know, so that was happening quite a bit. Do you have any advice for families or younger buyers um, that are trying to get into the market? That it's difficult now, like you just mentioned, these, mm-hmm. these homes are five, we're bidding wars for mm-hmm. 100,000 over and going for six, and the different, um, Spectrums within the real estate market have all kind of changed um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, especially in, in this market. Do you have any ad- advice or any things that you deal with kind of your clients when um, it could be a, a new buyer trying to get into a condo for the first time or a family trying to get into a house or, or so forth? Because like you said, um, you know, if you, if you sell a house in Ontario, you know, you sell it for X, we're generally a little cheaper than you know, we're a lot Toronto or Vancouver, right? So yeah, we're we have more capital purchasing power mm-hmm. there. We're both families in Calgary. Do you have any advice um, for them? I think I think we're very similar to you in that sense where we try to connect them with the right specialists, right? And a lot of times we are the right specialists, but there's also when they want a mortgage, we connect them with our trusted mortgage broker, right? We I feel like we are we are an avenue to certain specialists in the industry. So for, for a young for a young couple that's serious about buying a home in the next few years, I will always connect them to someone I trust. That would that would be my, my advice to all my first-time home buyers, which I've had a handful of um, this year, is first I identify two things. Number one, we talk about their vision and end goal. How long do you plan to be in this property? Is it a long-term? Is it a purchase you're always going to hold on to because it's your first purchase? Or is it a stepping stone? Are you a young couple, just the two of you, maybe one child, and are you looking to maybe in three to four years um, move up? So identify those first. But in a, in a broad sense, my answer is always, you know, a first-time homebuyer doesn't want to spend, nor do they have a lot to spend. So here in town, the best of both worlds is for you. I always advise, like, buy a townhouse. You don't have the stipulations of a condo. You don't have those high monthly fees. You don't have the risk of big special assessments coming your way. And it's not a big house, which is going to cost you a lot more. Five, six, seven is the benchmark price. So I've sold quite a bit of 280 to 325 townhouse, garage, three level, almost brand new, a couple years old, and they're only paying 150, 200 a month and don't have to own a lawnmower or a snow shovel. So that's kind of the best of both worlds and where I advise first time home buyers who don't know about real estate and owning. So it kind of alleviates them from some risk and then keeps them safe from having big, scary special assessments, which are becoming common in a lot of condominium projects around town. Like I've had clients that phoned me. I sold them a property a couple of years ago. I got a $7,000 special assessment. They're redoing this and everyone has to pay 7,000. I said, we did your condo document review. Um, you know, we identified how their reserve fund is and what their plans are for the next 10, 15, all the way up to 50 years. But again, that's all risk assessment. You know, they're managed by different management companies. Things can change. Industries can change, right? Costs of doing these constructions and renovations and upkeep can change, right? So the best of both worlds, I advise them a brand new home buyer here in Calgary. Um, see if you can afford and buy a townhouse. It's the best of both worlds. It's, it's not a house. It's not a condo. It's right in between. Gives you kind of peace of mind. You can leave everything locked and go away and somebody's maintaining the exterior for you, right? So to me, that's where I advise a new home buyer. If they can't, then we look for as new as possible of a condo, just so we can avoid any issues coming down the road. So that's my advice to first-time homebuyers. And what about on the, the other end of the spectrum, the uh, family or couple or individual that might be just before retirement or kind of just approaching into retirement? Um, are you seeing more empty nesters kind of downsize, mm-hmm. upsize, hold on to their homes? Um, they're, they're downsizing for sure. Um, I've sold quite a bit where they had a big five bedroom house that you sold for like eight, 900,000. And then what they did is um, going into those years of their life, they would, they would buy. And there's so many 55 plus only for seniors living. So they would go and buy a really nice villa like in Douglasdale or something or, or a condo, which is in a 55 plus. It's considered like a retirement home, but you own the apartment. 
and um, the prices are, are really uh, attractive. But again, you know, mm. you gotta be at least fifty five to even begin to purchase in there, right? So, so that's what I've seen a lot. Big downsizing, sell something eight nine hundred thousand. They've had it for thirty years. There's no mortgage, and then they go ahead and put a big chunk away and reach out to someone like you that they have and invest so that money's growing behind the scenes for them in good hands and then they pay for cash a $300,000 villa, right? So I'm seeing that happen. So yeah, that's where yeah, so many people, like so many uh, older folks moving into even newer areas like uh, University District. It's such an interesting mix of like such young folk, university kids and, and, and senior senior living in that same area. So yeah, they're definitely going for a lot of the newer, like the, some of those townhomes or apartments are like four or $500,000, but it's easy. Because they're selling luxury yeah. there. Yeah. Like there's a lot of amenities and common area that's part of that university district new build. So they're building a little, little city right in there. Mm. So all those amenities, restaurants, workout places, yoga, pottery stuff, like all, the little thing they're creating there, they're creating a lifestyle there. So to maintain all that, that they have around your common areas has a lot more to offer versus apartment building downtown, your common area is an elevator and a little bit of a lawn in the front. Whereas here you have, parks and ponds that they've made and things like that so they're going to ask for a lot more so the value of those properties is going to be a little bit more right i've also i've also met clients that uh let's just say they have a, a property in a small town right and then they want to you know move closer to the city and this and that but the thing is with what they could get for their older property sometimes it isn't enough for it to be worth it to make a move right and i've told I've, like i've showed them i educate them on what's available and there has been many times where i said just doesn't it doesn't seem to make sense for your budget to move out of this place, right? Like this this is going to be better living than what you could get if you were to sell it. So there has been times like that as well. So it really depends on the person and their personal situation. Yeah. And yourself in your industry, everyone that reaches out to you is it is it Canadians only? Is it Calgarians only? Do you have international people that are in your in your database that you work for and work with? Yeah, great question. So we support Canes across the country. So coast to coast, we have clients, um, no international. Um, and the reason for that is the, the tax code is, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with the plan, so you have to start with your vision, develop a plan, you have investments. Tax is the other big component that a lot of um, Canadians miss. And it's usually one of the biggest expenses we all have. Um, so people will get excited about an investment return, but you got to think about the after-tax component of it, the after-tax, the uh, withdrawing and retirement, yeah, always the tax. So... Uh, we tie in a lot of tax specialty to what we do. So knowing the Canadian tax law, uh, we specialize in that. As soon as you get into other countries, a whole other tax um, component. Um, so we don't want to dabble in that. We want to be really good at what we do, which is Canadians. Um, predominantly, our head office is in is Calgary. So uh, a large base of our clients is in Calgary. But then uh, most of our clients come from referral. Right, so it's it's family and friends, and that's you know brunch across the country. We don't do any advertising or anything across the country, but just the nature of what we do and the value that the clients receive, they want to share it with people that they care about. And going forward and opening this YouTube channel, which I'm excited about, I'm tuning in all the time. Um, do you do any sort of marketing to get new clients or get your name out there? Do you like to round a golf, you know, once in the summer? Is there any events that you host to get your name out there or? It's all just word of mouth right now. Not really. It's word of mouth. Um, I I founded Emerg Wealth, so when I originally started, sponsored some golf tournaments, did mm -hmm. things like that. And what I found is um, it just wasn't true to me. I'm not a sales guy. I'm not yeah. a marketing guy. It's marketing's probably one of my biggest weaknesses, right? And I, I hired teams. So the same, you hire those people. Yeah, I hire that out. Like my specialty and what I love is the people. It's the relationships. It's the value and vision. It's um, the investment strategies, the financial plans, that's what I love spending time with and my team's really good at on. Um, the marketing side, we spend our time with our clients and one of the asks is if you're getting value working with us, if you could help us to share the word. And we've been very fortunate to have amazing clients and that's been the bulk of our success and growth has been through word of mouth. Amazing. Um, when, did, uh, when did it begin? When was it founded? Yeah, so I launched MRG Wealth in 2017. Okay. You know, and the, the premise for that is again that journey of you know since i was a little boy learning about how to make money and tax um, i wanted to wait until i had a family of my own set up because i was very successful career um, kind of calgary downtown and, and doing well um, 
could have stayed there for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and you know vacation and, and been comfortable. Um, but again, going back to that value division, you know, you, I was one cog in a big wheel. Yeah. Um, I wanted something different in life, um, so I waited till my second daughter was born. Heaven forbid, you know, if there's complications or issues, I wouldn't take on the risk of mm-hmm. launching a business. Um, I was very fortunate. Two daughters, they're both preemies. We had some little yeah. scares and um, a little touch and go, but they're both healthy. They're doing well. Um, so at that point, I was talking to my wife and said, you know, this is really important to me. This is what I want to do. And we went all in. And I mean, I sold investments. I sold my house. Like mm-hmm. we went all in on launching and, and building entrepreneur out. entrepreneur though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, building out the foundation that I thought um, was the proper way to do. So when you're looking at um, wealth management or investment firms or financial advisors, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is to be an investment advisor, it's only a couple courses. Oh, really? Right? To, it's not very, um, you know, to just get the license. Uh, probably it would be akin, I would think, to real estate. Like how, how long does it take to be a realtor? Versus the difference in quality from someone that you know just got their license to someone with 20, 30 years experience mm-hmm. that have focused every day of their life in it, right? Yeah. So there's a big difference. And that's the other reason why you know uh, clients call me their personal CFO and, and tying in the accounting aspect, the financial planning aspect, the insurance, all the other kind of backgrounds. I think I have six or maybe seven degrees and designations right now in finance. It doesn't make me smarter, but over the last 20 years, you pick up experience and learnings along the way and you pick up relationships and you pick up um, different components that all help the client experience. So um, going back to your question, launched in 2017. Um, it's been an amazing journey. It was one of the most difficult things I'd ever try to do, especially um, trying to you know challenge the status quo. And um, I could have gone to work for a big bank or, you know, you know, just start selling mutual funds or funds mm-hmm. and doing the investment side. That that wouldn't have been as hard. But to really try and break the mold and try and bring pension strategies and how ultra high net worth uh, people invest down to um, you know high performing families and figuring out the legal aspect, the technology aspect, the relationship aspect. Um, you know, a lot of these strategies have billions of dollars, and so you don't even have a seat at the table. You know, you know, unless you have hundreds of millions of dollars. So how do you how do you get access to those type of investments? How do you get access? Um, to proper planning and tax and, and building all that together. Um, so that was the vision. And I'm uh, very proud of what we built and very proud of the team. That's awesome. Only six years and mm-hmm. I look forward to where it takes takes you. And I hope we're obviously part of it and stay in touch. Hopefully you'll be on for part two, three, and we'll do <laughs> updates down, down the road. And um, so your show that you're going to have on YouTube, will it be once a week? Will it be once a month? Um, working uh, through that right now it'll be a minimum of once a month Um, so I want to kind of under promise and over deliver right right so it'll be a minimum once a month and as we have the time and and we learn and get you know better at the kind of video um, world of it because again that's not our our specialty so I have I hired a videographer and I got a coach I'm working with right now to to do, do some of the heavy lifting on that but ideally, kind of once we get going, then the frequency will increase. Um, the other piece that will change that is the community. So we're building a community right now. You can go on our website, mrgwealth.com, and I do a monthly CFO report. So there's a, a market report. There's always a knowledge sharing learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other piece we look for is feedback. So what are some of the challenges that you know, you're having right now? If I haven't touched on it before, share with me. And I'll create a video or write a blog article um, and, and really looking forward to that, you know, community involvement. So um, I think that's going to help shape it as well. So the combination of kind of the, the you know, the monthly CFO report that I send out um, that you can just access and subscribe to on our website. And then the YouTube channel will be able to take that and have it a little more personalized, having a video setting like this, mm-hmm. um, but in a very short and condensed version. So the, the personal CFO videos that we're going to create, they're two, three minutes. Like really short, you know, like here's the problem, here's the solution, you know, here's, you know, an action item for you to, to take away. Um, and then the interviews like, like this. Um, so that, awesome. that's the, uh, the vision. That's nice. awesome. I'm excited for you. I hope, and I think that your, the traction you're going to get a lot is you mentioned like the blog and if people have questions, they can reach out and it's something for you to talk about. Um, with what we talked about, how people kind of don't discuss money. I think you'll get a lot of people that have questions but are afraid to ask them. They may just message you and say, can you please talk about this? And Can you please explain this? So I think uh, I think it'll be really good and you'll 
And then that'll turn into someone that's going to reach out to you and have you advise them, right? So exciting. Uh, thanks again, you know, for agreeing to do this. Uh, really awesome to learn a lot more about you. Um, I'm glad I stopped you that day in the office. <laughs> and uh, yeah, everything, you know, everything does happen for a reason. You know, that wasn't a mistake. So, so I hope, uh, hope we cross like this throughout mm -hmm. the years and see what we can do together and who I can put in your hands because we get asked all the time, right? Like a lot of clients ask, you know, do you have a financial advisor? Can you put me in touch with someone? Because a lot of them are moving here, right? So I'll definitely be passing it along. So. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your show today. Yeah, thank you for great that you're doing these uh, weekly shows yeah. to share kind of, again, knowledge and updates with people and uh, cross industry as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing what you do. This yeah. is probably one of the, uh, the first podcasts where I really feel like I should have been taking notes the whole time. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, it's recorded. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, you guys as well. If you have questions, reach out. If you yeah. have questions, reach out. You know, it's that's the uh, the name of the game is just to get answers to your questions, mm -hmm. right? And then people are empowered to make their own decisions. Of course, right. So it was, it was Ryan Gubic, uh, Gubic for those that know correctly, uh, MRG Wealth, and the YouTube channel will also be MRG Wealth, and we'll put all the links and everything in there. And uh, stay tuned. Hopefully, we'll get updates from uh, from Ryan in the future. Thank you very much, John. Thank, Thank you. you.